I'm thankful for what God is doing. I'm turning your attention to Numbers 22, verse 31. How about we make a deal? You help me preach, and I won't preach very long at all tonight. You don't want to make a deal? <laughs> for my sake, let's make a deal. <laughs> verse 31. Then... The Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way. Standing in the way. And his sword drawn in his hand. He bowed down his head, and he fell flat on his face, and the angel of the Lord said unto him, why have you smitten the ass three times? Behold, I, I went out to withstand thee because thy way is perverse before me. He saw me and turned from me all three times. Unless, please hear this, unless she had turned from me, I would have Killed you and let her live. That's what he said. I would have slain thee and saved her alive. And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I've sinned. How did you sin? I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now therefore, if it displease thee, I will get back Again, and the angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I shall speak unto thee. That's what thou shalt speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. Uh, I want to preach just a little while on this thought. Listen to your donkey. <laughs> 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 For the love of God, listen to your donkey. Turn to a couple people and tell them that you ought to smile when you're saying it. You've never said it before, so. <clears throat> God, we love what we feel in this room tonight. It's not anything we can earn. It's certainly not by our merits, by our ability. But you're a God of grace and mercy and you love us enough. Some reason you've applied that love to our lives directly. I pray you'd touch our minds and our hearts. Help me to preach it. How I feel it even better if you'll allow it for just a little while here tonight. Help it to be effective and efficient for the people that we might grow. Because of our time in the word. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Let everybody say amen. Now I want you to find two or three people you haven't talked to tonight. And I want you to tell them, listen to your donkey. Come on, find a few people. Don't make it any more awkward than it is. This is not a Mr. Ed situation. 
I know some of you would like to be so holy that you didn't know what Mr. Ed is. But some of y'all know what Mr. Ed is. We got any elders? Be honest enough to just wave. You watched Mr. Ed somewhere along the way. Oh, God bless your honesty. I want to talk to all of you after service. Not because I think it's wrong, just because I can't believe you took time watching it. <clears throat> Mr. Ed was a little ahead of its time, wasn't he? <laughs> have you, uh, have you like me ever been in a situation where you knew a prophet was going to be speaking at the church and you got nervous about it? Any of you college students or high school students, you ever repent on the way to church because you know who's going to be there? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You know. God, if there's any way, you could just not let them know. You ever been nervous? You ever been in one of those services where someone starts calling people out? In the old school, this used to happen. We've tried to educate a little bit. But when I was young, I can remember being a, just a young boy sitting in a service when a prophet, old prophet, got up in the room. You know, you're supposed to close your eyes. Uh-uh. I want to know. I want to know who it is. Unless he started looking in my direction. <laughs> God forbid he say something like, I feel sin in this room. I'm sitting by my cousin like this here. And then there's the flip side of that. Have you ever had a guest preacher? And you'd really love them to be the one to lay hands on you? I've talked about this before. And I, I love this. The way that we can either, I don't know, I hate to say idolize, but really respect, revere, or even at times be nervous by certain people. Balaam was one of these kind of guys. He was a read-your-mail kind of fella. The kind that if he started walking the aisles in revival, you got nervous. The kind of person that you'd sweat even if the air was on real good. Brother Brown, if Balaam started walking your direction, you're doing those little silent. Lord, I want that to just be between us. I already said I'm sorry. I'm just... Balaam had the ability to hear from God. Isn't that something? Don't you think it's something that we so casually breeze over what it means to hear from God? Brother Matthews, that God, infinite in His wisdom, who has given us a word comprised of such a timeless truth. 66 books and a multitude of authors. And, but still, I need to hear from God. And the amazing thing is, He still does it. 
knows right where you're at. Right what you're dealing with. He knows the number of hairs or lack thereof. He is concerned with what you're concerned with. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. When we call on Him, He hears. I don't want us to breeze over that for a moment. When you say, Jesus. Mm. When you just call His name. Somebody take a trip down memory lane with me to when you were a child and whether it was grandma or mom or a Sunday school teacher and they set you down and they said, I'm going to teach you a little something. At any point, if you just call his name. I'm going to tell you a good practice. Every now and then, just say his name and you feel those goosebumps again. How many know those God goosebumps? (laughs) where it's like you just what is that it's God why'd he show up because we called him we called on his name and isn't it something that we will sing about him call on him and it's not that he'll show up with just a random word he'll walk right to your pew You'll sit down, Brother Mathis, right next to you and minister directly to what you're dealing with. He's a personal God. Of all the attributes of God that I am most overwhelmed with, it is that He is personal in nature. Because ladies and gentlemen, He's already done enough for us. Brother Grayson, He's already done enough. He's already given us the opportunity. He has done enough. How many of you were baptized in Jesus' name? Wave your hand at me. You've been baptized. He did enough. Let me go one further. How many of you repented and you think he he actually took your sins away? He did enough. Let me go a step further. How many of you, how many of you got the Holy Ghost? What? He did more. Than enough. Now hold on. How many of you think that this life is not all there is to offer? I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. I take that as a personal word. He's done more than enough. And yet somehow, Brother Coogan, nearing the end of August, in what has, Brother Zach, been a weird and a tough year, even in the middle of it all, if you got a problem, he'll show up right where you are. He'll speak right into the middle of your situation. You're dealing with a family dynamic. It's not bigger than he knows about. You're dealing with a marriage situation. It's not bigger than his ability to know. 
Because he knows it all. And God, that God, that God speaks to people. And I'm going to just, I'm going to pull the cover off this little thing right here if you'll let me. Because in about the last five, seven years, we've started making a joke of people that say, the Lord said to me. I heard somebody publicly say, a preacher publicly say, maybe you should just say the Lord impressed on you. Excuse me? Do you not think the Lord speaks to people? Well, maybe we should just, we don't need to get too carried away with it. Hold on. The Lord still speaks to us. Mama overwhelmed in your house, he'll find you at 5 a.m. when everything seems overwhelming in the darkness of your home and he'll speak a word of peace and strength and refreshing. He'll let you know that you are not alone. He is closer than... Feel like preaching now. He'll find you where you are. Come on, man of God. He'll find you in the middle of a construction site. He'll speak into your ear. He'll speak to your heart. And he'll remind you, you are not alone. And I thank God for the preaching. And I thank God for the podcast. And I thank God for all the kind of stuff we're doing. But I'm going to tell you right now. You don't have to have me preach to hear from him. The only time I'm going to know is you didn't hear from God is if you walk in with, to something to me and you tell me something that contradicts the word. Well, the Lord spoke to me. No, he didn't. The Lord said I probably don't need to come every Sunday. He didn't say that. Lord, Lord, Lord told me, Lord told me I don't even, I don't even have to, I, I don't even think that baptism is necessary. He didn't tell you that. I've had all kinds of people throughout the years try to tell me private revelations. Really? Really? He said you can just look anyway. Hey, where, where were you when he told you this? Here's what I have learned. When God is really speaking to you, you always want to be more like him. When God is really speaking to you, He's always drawing you closer to Him. I had somebody challenge me one time, and this is how they challenged it. And I'd put my prayer life up against theirs. Oh, that's not necessary. I said, say what? They're trying to tell me all this holiness stuff matters. I put my prayer life up against theirs. I wanted to say, you're starting on the foundation of arrogance out of the gate. This is, this is an amazing thing, folks, that we get all this word, we get all this singing, we get preaching, we get teaching. I mean, we start them in nursery, right? Animal crackers. <laughs> I still like a good lesson on Noah. Bring on those animal crackers. We 
teach them from a young child and we teach them about God and we, we get it into the fabric of who they are. So hopefully by the time that they're older, they know not just about this word, but what this word tells us. And this word tells us he speaks to us. And the Lord spoke to Balaam. But there was a king, this Moabite dude who did not like the Israelites. He, he, he just did not. And he sends that great enticer called money. Send some guys to Balaam and tell him, hey, I want you to come and prophesy a dark word. Just prophesy some destruction. Get a good blood ministry. Just, just walk to the edge of the cliff. Amazing thing about it when I read the scripture is like he didn't even care if it was true. He knew that they had so much respect for the voice of the prophet. Uh, some of you missed that. I'm going to say it again. He knew they had so much respect for the voice of the prophet. That if he'd prophesy it, they'd react as though it were true. Step to the edge and, and I want you to give a, a destruction prophecy. Balaam, good old boy. He said, I'm only going to say what the Lord gives me. How many of you know that's a good idea? That's a good, that's a good idea. He said, I can't do it. Now we get in this situation where Balaam says, I'm not going with you. They get all mad. They go home for the sake of the story. Let me speed it here and, and tell you they go on back to the king and Balak is hot. Because you know some people think that when they speak that you ought to do whatever they say. Brother Wright, you know what I'm talking about? Your dad says something, you better listen. They just think whatever they say goes. And being defied. Balak ain't been defied in a while. And Balaam has the audacity to say, no. What did he do? Money buy anything. Take some more money. They double up the money, bring some money back, come back to Balaam. Hey, I think you need to come do this. You're going to be rich. It's going to make you wealthy. I don't want to go too far with this, but I'm going to tell you, money is a temptation. You ought to come, you ought to come on and, and, and do this. We'll make you filthy rich. Just say some bad stuff. Just, prof, just prophesy some negativity. There's all kinds of people talk negative for no money at all. <laughs> like a walking tabloid. Just. Nobody here, just people, just people. I am not doing it. Well, we get into this back and forth battle that Balaam kind of gets this little thing in his mind. Maybe I, maybe I can just say what I want and have the money too. Maybe I, maybe I can just do both. Maybe I just, maybe I just have the best of both worlds. Oh, wouldn't we all like to have the best of both worlds? Bunch of teenagers up here. I'm going to tell you, every one of you better listen to me. You're going to come out to a crossroads in your life where if you're not careful, you're going to think you can have the best of both worlds. 
You're going to think you can have both things. You're going to think you can live for God and live for the world and it won't matter. It will matter. Give me a parent that will say amen to that. But the truth is the temptation. Come on now, the temptation doesn't stop when you turn 20. Sometimes it intensifies. Sometimes that temptation doesn't play through a bundle of money. That temptation is just, why don't you be a real good Pentecostal while you're here and be somebody different at work? This is where we live. Balaam, what do you want? I think I'd like both. Even though he was convicted. Even though the Lord, I can't, I want you to catch this. The Lord spoke to him. Goes to bed that night, God gives him a dream. The Lord spoke to him again. But we watch Balaam get on that donkey and start the journey. He's heading on the way. He's really torn inside, Brother Brown. He's really torn up. Who am I? What will I say? And he's got this little part of him that, that you know, I'm, 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 I'm never going to do anything that the Lord doesn't want me to do. But he's got this little part of him. A new donkey would be nice. I got a donkey. I wouldn't mind having a Mustang. <laughs> I got this little thing inside of him. The Lord knows when you're headed into temptation. The Lord knows when you're on a path you shouldn't be on. And yes, I promise you when we come in here, I'm going to do everything that I can to preach to you and ask you to prepare the way of the Lord in your life. But the truth is, we only get a few shots a week. And after that, you're on your own. Thank God for Sunday morning. Thank God for Sunday night. Thank God for Wednesday Bible study. But what about the rest of it? What about when your parents aren't with you when you walk onto college campus? Ah. You can hear from God in a prayer meeting, Balaam, but the problem is your donkey can see God. Think about this. He could hear from God, but could not see what his donkey could. That is insulting. If there is any insulting scripture, that is insulting. Brother Roman, he could hear. I'm, have you picked up that I'm stressing this? He could hear from God, but couldn't see an angel in the road. He had all of that. I can hear from God. Here's what I'm going to do. But when he let that little bit get in his spirit. Notice that. Notice there's a pause in him hearing from God. There's a pause here on the road. You've got to have a clear enough definition that in the pause from the word that you can still do what's right. In the pause of your week, you've got to still be able to walk right and talk right and act right and live right. The angel, Brother Mathis, in the middle of the road. 
And I can't do a real good donkey sound. Maybe somebody can. I don't know. I don't know. I feel Mr. Ed coming on. And Balaam gets mad. Don't raise your hand, guys, but some of you, you know you got a short temper. Get mad quick. Right? That donkey don't want to do what it's supposed to do. Balaam goes to hitting it. I bet you will. Donkey moves up. Donkey, donkey goes over by the way. Angel of the Lord again. Because God's gracious, he just kept putting his angel in front of it. I'll go around it and move the angel. Aren't you glad he moved the angel in your life? I'm going to tell you right now, this preacher wouldn't be here if there were times he put an angel in the road I was trying to walk down. He put an angel again. He moved, and the donkey crushes his foot, puts him into the wall, and busts him at his ankle up against the wall. Stupid donkey! He was the original Shrek. <laughs> He's hitting that donkey, wearing on it. When I say move, move, you know why? He was so distracted by the double-mindedness he was dealing with. A double-minded man gets unstable in all. In all their ways. Hits that donkey. I ride you every day. I ride I, this. You, you listen to me, boy. Third time. The donkey sees the angel in the middle of the road and just lays down. Now picture, men, how mad he was. You worthless, idiotic. He starts beating. I'm sorry, animal lovers. You'd have been mad at Balaam. He starts beating that donkey. Until the donkey talks. It's in there. The, the donkey talked to him. I can't get over it. But what? What astounds me more than it all, Brother Gallion, there is no pause in him talking back. There's no, <laughs> there's no pause. The Lord opened the mouth, verse 28. The Lord opened the mouth of the ass and she said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you've, You've smitten me these three times. And Balaam said, because you mocked me. Are you talking to a donkey? Do you reckon?
recognize that his mind was so overwhelmed he entertained conversing with a donkey and acted like it was no big deal? The donkey talked and he's still mad that it wouldn't walk. The donkey's laying on the ground, neck bent up, big old teeth, talking. Why'd you hit me three times? Because you mocked me. Immediately, immediately responding. And the donkey kept talking. It did. Balaam went on and said, if I had a sword in my hand, I'd kill you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is bizarre. And the ass said unto Balaam, Am I not thine ass upon which you have ridden ever since I was thine unto this day? Was I ever want to do so unto thee? And he said, Well, no. Then, then the Lord opened the eyes. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam. And he saw the angel of the Lord. He did not snap out of it and get in tune until the donkey asked him, Have I ever done this before? Pastor, what are you preaching? I'm going to tell you what I'm preaching. What's it going to take for some of us to wake up? Uh-huh. What's it going to take for some of us to wake up and recognize that he's been putting roadblock after roadblock after roadblock to try to keep us from destroying our families and destroying our marriages and destroying our ministries? I'm going to preach for about five minutes. I'm going to preach this. Listen to your donkey or whatever your everyday situation is that's been trying to remind you there is nothing like listening to God and living for God and being involved in the things of God. Listen, I don't care how flattering it looks. I don't care how nice it looks. I don't care how beautiful it looks. You need to listen to your donkey. And if you won't, at least listen to your pastor right now. You've got too much at stake. You've got too much that God wants to do for you to sell out your ministry. For you to sell out the... Balaam, you need to shut your mouth and listen to the donkey. The donkey sees the angel of the Lord that's trying to tell you your life has more purpose. Your life has more value. Your life has greater at stake than this. Now sometimes it's not a donkey. Sometimes it's your kids. Sometimes it's your kids when they look at you and they say, why don't we go to Wednesday nights? Oh, no, you were laughing a minute ago. Sometimes it's your parents when they look at you and they say, I don't care. We're going to church. Thank God for parents that make you come to church. I'm going to tell you right now, sometimes 
Don't be offended. Sometimes the donkey is that sweet little elder that comes up next to you. And he hauls right up next to you. And gets right up in your business. Mask and all. And says a few little words like, Baby, I've been worried about you. Uh-huh. You better listen when a sweet old gray-haired elder eases up next to you and says, God put you on my heart. Mm. Every now and then it's going to be your pastor that doesn't just preach over the podium, but pastor eases up next to you and it's like a donkey because we ain't talk much one-on-one, but all of a sudden I just say, the Lord said to me. Hmm. But for some of us, if we're not careful, we will refuse to stop because we cannot see any. If I see any warning signs, I'll stop. Brother Robertson, if we're not careful. If I see it, then I'll stop. But the problem is, oftentimes, by the time you see it, it's too late. Because the Lord said, if you depressed her, and she'd have went on talking about the donkey. I'd have let her live and I'd have killed you dead. What do you mean you'd have killed me, Brother McFarland? What do you mean? I'm the one you were talking to. Yeah, but she's the one I was giving the revelation. She's the one I was showing that you needed a little help along the way. And God put a little something in them to get them next to you to tell you, hey, I'm afraid that the path you're on is a little bit dangerous right now. Thank God. You know, I can't get away from what I feel right here, so I'm going to say it again. Thank God for an elder every now and then that'll slip up. Elders, that's what I feel, and I'm going to tell you right now, your best days are not behind you. You listen, you hear me right now. If we're really going to grow this church like God is trying to help us, then we need your example. I want the youth and young adults to help me with this right now. We need your example. We need you to be godly. We need you to be holy. We need you to be intercessors. We need you to set the standard of righteousness. Don't give up on dressing holy. Don't give up on living righteous. Don't think we want you to change. We don't need you to change. Hear me right now, listen to me. We don't need you 60 trying to look like you're 20. Oh, some got nervous when I said that. Oh, 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 oh. You just said, wish you could have seen it from up here. Everybody's like, wow! And I said that and it was like, oh. But I'm telling you, I travel enough to see it. We need our elders to embrace the apostolic elders that are godly and holy and righteous and willing to sit down. Every now and then, I need you to sit down. Sit down next to me and tell me, hey, there's nothing more valuable than living for God. There's nothing more important than living for God. The road you're on is going to cause... And younger generation, we got to listen. But you know what we want to do? We want to pull out the stick of generational difference. Let me go. 
Oh, I'm in something here. <laughs> Move on. It's my time. No, 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 no. The church, to be effective, is going to have all generations working together. Somebody said, do you want to be a young church? Yeah. You want to be a young church or an older church? I want to be a both church. I want to be an everybody church. I want there to always be a generation that the next generation is looking up to a little bit and saying, I think I could be like them. I think I could live like that. I, I think I, it's not so far out of reach, I can't get there. And every now and then they got to turn around and say, we can't go right now. The angel of the Lord says no. The angel of the Lord says no. And so if it's neg- listen, if it's not good, then tell me. Brother help. If it's going to cause me destruction. Some of you construction guys. Imagine we're working together. One time I was with somebody. A young guy went to use a razor blade. And was cutting that thing. He was pulling on it upwards towards him. Guy next to me said. Son. Hey son. Never again. Let me see you do that. Now he was a little bit stern. That boy got a little bit embarrassed. But I'd rather he get embarrassed than put a big old gash in the middle of his face. And the truth is, it'd be better for us to get a little bit upset and a little bit embarrassed when we're chastised. I'd rather you offend me than let me go to hell. I'd rather you take a chance of offending me. Now, I think you ought to speak in love. I think we ought to speak with kindness. But donkey, if you're leading me. Listen, I don't mean to make light of the illustration. But whether we recognize it or not, we're riding the generation before us anyway. There's nobody in here that would even be here if it was not for the hard work of the generations before. They picked up the stuff on their back. They put the packages. They put the heart. They put the... But as soon as it got different, because you mocked me, wouldn't you love for a stranger to walk up on that conversation? I don't know if everyone could understand it. I don't know that we get word for this. I don't know that just anybody could have understood the donkey. So imagine nobody but Balaam could understand him. And he's in the middle of a screaming match. Because the truth is, don't try to make sense of what some elder is teaching you based on the opinions of somebody that lives in the world. Because they don't even understand the language. I will flesh this out for a second. Yeah, well, I know some good people who don't think that's necessary. Really? It used to be important, Pastor. I I understand that. But those things are not important now. Show me where I shouldn't be drinking whiskey in Scripture. What? Show me the verse that says I shouldn't be smoking a cigarette. What? 
I'm telling you questions I get asked. You want the scripture? I give you a scripture. I give you 66 books worth. Be ye holy. You know you wrap the you wrap the whole Bible up into one word and you can call it love or submission because they're both together. No, you know that the church was telling you know that the church was preaching don't smoke before the surgeon general ever came up with warnings about it. Why? Because some elders got alone in a prayer room and started hearing from God and God started speaking. And they walked out and said, I believe that when Paul was talking to the church about the temple. And if you've battled that addiction, I curse that on your behalf in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not, listen to me, pastor, is not making fun of you or the fact that you struggle because it's a real thing. And some of you battled with it since your teenage years. And you got involved in things and you know that you hate that addiction. And you hate the way that you can't sit for hours without having a, 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 such a sensation. I'm telling you, I hate that for you. But I am telling you, there is a God that can take that addiction away in only a moment. Where's Brother Lopez? Is he in here? Run down here. Run down here. Can I say what you said at lunch today? Is that okay? Before the Holy Ghost. Before God ever filled him with the Holy Ghost. He said, I had all these addictions. I had all these desires. He said, all it took was a sincere prayer. He said, Pastor, I'm telling you, it was before I even got the Holy Ghost. In a moment, God took every desire, took every addiction, and he ripped Brother Lopez, that's the kind of God that we're serving. That's the kind of God that we're preaching about. That's the kind of God we're... But Brother Lopez, here's what I'm preaching. If we're not careful, we're trying to rationalize getting back into the addiction. People that have been raised in the church and heard from God beating the donkey. When it's saying no, you don't see the angel. Don't you think that before the that donkey ever spoke, don't you think he was thinking, you don't see this? But the problem is if we're not careful, you can't see very far down the road and you make your instantaneous decisions based on immediate gratification and we'll make, we'll make choices based on the next step, not thinking about the cliff right ahead of us, not thinking about the army that stands before us, not knowing that spiritual death is imminent. Throw your hands towards heaven. I feel stirring. I know I've got to quit, but I... I want every youth, young adult, and young married that's comfortable, I want you to come to the front, to the altar as close as you can. Come down out of the choir loft. Come straight down across the platform. Don't worry. Just come right down.
I know you're isolated and I'm sorry. I want, I want, about, uh, I want about five or ten ministers that will go up to, the front, uh, up to the top for these Bible college students. Says, I want you to run up there. I know you got to try to stay distance. I know it's tough. Just try to give each other a few. Keep your mask on. Get a little bit of room. We're not losing you. We're not losing you. You're not coming to college for a year or two and then becoming a statistic because you got lost. We're not losing you. We're not losing you, young man. We're not losing you, young lady, because you feel depression or you get alone or you get... I want you to listen to me right now. God is not only speaking, He is trying to reveal Himself to us. I want you to lift your hands towards heaven right now. I'm asking every for midlife and every elder in the room, I want you to stretch your hands toward them right now. Come on, Sister Katie. Some of you prayer warriors. Some of you intercessors. I want you to go ahead and unlock that right now. Come on, break that like a box of alabaster right now. Let it pour on them. Come on, let those genuine prayers do something. Let those genuine prayers. Yeah, 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 Come on, you Bible college students in the balcony. I want you to pray right now. We got to see you. I don't want to get caught up between two worlds. I don't want to get double-minded. I don't want to. No, 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 no. Listen, listen, listen. The job didn't open up because the angels standing in the road. The relationship didn't happen because the angels standing in the road. It's been keeping you from devastation, so stop fighting it. Stop fighting it. I wish you'd lift your hands. Let there just be some thunderous prayer all over this place. I'm telling you, I feel the angel of the Lord beginning to sweep through this house and do some work.
Come on, pray until you hear him again. Pray until you see him for the first time. Pray, pray, pray. Come on, you young people, you young adults, pray. I want you to just pray right now. Press through a little bit in prayer. The enemy that wants to destroy your mind and destroy your calling and wants to drive a wedge between generations. Some of you young marrieds, I want you to take your spouse by the hand right now. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, you young married couples trying to find your way. Some of the best thing you could do, you need to schedule dinner with an elder couple. And you need to get some elders in your life that will be a model, an apostolic model. Now, young people, young people, young adults, I want you to turn around and I want you to face the congregation. Turn around, face the congregation. I want you to stretch your hands towards these elders. <laughs> elders, and those of you that don't feel like elders yet, but you're a little bit older, you're getting into that mid, you don't recognize what a witness you are. I want you to lift your hands and I want you to feel strength come into you. I want you to feel virtue flow into you. I want you to recognize we need you right now. We, if we've ever needed you, we need you right now in the church. Come on, some of you marriages. 
in your 40s and 50s, 60s. I pray strength and virtue would come into you. I pray against sickness and disease. I pray against any lie from hell that's told you that your ministry is over or that your days of witness are over or that the church is moving on without you. I curse every lie from hell that tells you that you're no longer needed or you don't have a place anymore. I'm telling you, if you want somewhere to work, there's a place at Calvary for you to be involved. There's things in this city that we need you to help us do. You've been feeling like you don't belong anymore. I'm telling you, that is not from the God that we serve. That is a lie from hell. Young men, young ladies, look at me. You need elders in your life. Elders, look at me. You need a young person in your life. We do. We need each other. We're strengthened by each other. You draw a little virtue from them. And let them draw some knowledge from you. Young people, when you're walking through the lobby, don't only greet the, just your friends or your peer group. If you see an elder, every now and then it's good for you to stop them and say, thank you. Thanks for being a good model for me. Some of you have elders in this church that you've looked up to for years, but you've never even told them. It's time to start this. It's time to start being open and walking up to them and telling them, I've watched you for years and you don't even know. I've drawn so much strength of living for God. Elders, you need to know this. There's kids up here and young adults up here that don't even, they don't even have family that comes to church. You know, I've lost track now over the years of how many young men have looked at me and I never even knew it and told me, you're the closest thing I've got to a dad. Thank God for the church. Thank God for the church. We just had a young marriage event. We're about to schedule a mid-marriage event. Sorry for some of you that don't want to accept the fact that you're in the mid-marriage age. Me too. I read a statement the other day, my age bracket, and it said for people in this that might deal with midlife issues. We're going to have an elder, mar elder marriage get together. How'd that sound? That'd be all right. But here's, what, but here's what I want to commission you. Every now and then when the church doesn't put it together, get with a demographic that's not the same as yours and do dinner together. Wouldn't that be all right? 
spend a little time together, eating, fellowshipping, breaking bread or lasagna. It's good that the body edifies. Many are here that come without spouses or are not married. Some of you, some of you couples that could adopt a kid. What do you mean adopt them? They're 30, 40, 50 years old. They still need you. Man, I know where I'm at in the Holy Ghost right now. One of the great lies of hell is to isolate them and get them alone. And they won't be able to see the angel of the Lord because they can't even see the love of God. But when they get enveloped into the body again, and someone reaches out with love, would you lift your hands with me? I'm done. Would you just pray that God would edify the church, just strengthen the church and strengthen the body? Would you pray that right now? Husbands, I want you to go home tonight. I want you to talk sweet to your wives. Wives, talk loving to your husbands. Regardless of your demographic. Elders, I want you to find some young person in the foyer. Young people, I want you to find some elder on the way before you even get out of the church. Tell them that you're thankful. (laughs) College students, I want to say something to you. You are not a nameless mass to us. I don't know that we often get to tell you this, but we draw strength from you. I'm going to tell you as the pastor of this church, you encourage me. I draw strength from you. We need the body. We need the body.